Hey ladies, it's Ashley, and you're listening to the podcast Penthouse to Pentecost. The name might sound extreme, but isn't that just like our God? He parts seas. He brings the dead to life. He makes extreme moves. He spared nothing to find me. My name's Ashley, and to the world I'm nobody, but to God I'm the one he left the 99 for. And he's leaving the 99 for you too. In this podcast, From Penthouse to Pentecost, I discuss deep, real, raw topics of what living in the valley of the shadow of death is like and how I and many other women were redeemed from a life of living hell. Disclaimer. Topics discussed here may not be suitable for young ears. Okay. So Okay. I um I'm super excited to sit down with you and kind of pick your brain. Your your book has really changed the way that I I take communion and um and the way that I'm talking to God. And I, I'm just gonna be very honest with you, I'm not through with it. Um, because there's instructions at the beginning that say that I should take my time. But I did see the betrothed because Susan told me to. <laughs> so I have read that chapter and um, I think I'm in chapter three right now. So kind of skipped around. So thank you so much, Lauren, for coming on my podcast. I know it's kind of a strange thing. And, and you said that you don't know what you're doing, but I literally don't know what I'm doing either. I just, um, I felt this fire and, and so many things led to this, to where I have like podcast equipment and um, I'm not really like an outspoken kind of person. Like this is not of me. I felt led to do this and, and I'm just learning to obey God in small ways. And although this feels kind of big, um, but I know that I prayed for us before on our first take, but I'm going to pray again and it's going to be the same prayer because I wrote it down, but. Okay. Oh, okay. God, we thank you for this beautiful day, for our paths that you so intricately crossed for us to be in this divine appointment. I thank you for Lauren's walk with you and the things that you've revealed to her about you and the boldness, wisdom, and discernment that you've given her to share these things with us. We bind any hindering spirits this morning, and we ask that you would protect our hearts and guide our conversation. And Lord, speak to us and through us on this day. Your servants are here, and we are willing we love you, Lord, because of how gentle you are. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 So um, one thing that I've learned, and then I'm going to shut up and let you talk. I'm going to ask you some questions. But one thing that has really stuck with me um, from reading your book is the whole, you know, betrothed thing. But we'll get into that later. Um, but the main thing is how I'm talking to God and how I'm saying I love you because... Like that has um, really changed the way that I'm looking at God and, and not just like being a nagging wife to God. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, God, I have all these needs and wants. Um, so anyway, did you grow up in church? Um, I grew up in the Catholic church. Mm -hmm. um, I was raised there and um, I, I grew up believing in Jesus my whole life, but I was not born again. Okay. And when did you come to, to know Jesus as your Lord? To know him personally, I was 22 years old. Yeah. And um, 
you know, I had always believed he was a son of God, that he died on the cross, that he rose from the dead. But I felt that from that point on, he'd opened the gates of heaven. And now it was up to me to be good enough to get in. And so I was still trying to earn salvation, which by the time I was 22, I kind of thought that I'd blown it <laughs> and did, didn't think I was making it. So um, somebody mailed me a track in the mail and invited me to a Bible study at, at work where I, my business. And um, I had just never understood that it was by grace through faith. I had just always thought it was something you had to earn. Yeah. And so who would turn that down? <laughs> you know, yeah. That was just like a not too good to refuse. And, and uh, I prayed the prayer in that little gospel track. And um, I actually could feel something happening to me. Um, I had been, so I was 22 years old. I had really reached the end of my rope. It, you know, I, I have to say too that the timing of that gospel track for me was absolutely perfect. Um, the day before had been Thanksgiving day. I had had um, a huge Thanksgiving with two families, my family and um, my husband at the time's family. And at the end of that day, um, okay, I'm leaving out a big thing here. I was anorexic. I was extremely thin. I had gotten down into weighing about 80 something pounds. And I finally felt like maybe I was thin enough now to be considered beautiful. My husband used to grab the skin on my side and tell me I was getting fat. Mm. And um, one of my sisters said to me that day, how can you stand being around my ex-husband's sister? She's so thin. And I thought, what? <laughs> I'm not thin? <laughs> and, you know, I think I weighed about 86 pounds at the time, which is about uh, 30, 30, 35 pounds less than I weigh now. And people still think I'm thin. So it, it pretty much devastated me. And um, I, I gave up because my whole desire was to be loved. Yeah. And I didn't think I could be loved because of how I looked. And so when um, when she said that to me, I just thought there's no hope. I give up. I can't starve myself any more than I already am. Right. And so that next morning, um, when that gospel track and that invitation to the Bible study came in the mail, it was like a gift from God at the perfect time. He knew. I you know, of course he knew that I was going to bottom out the day before. And so he had that come at just the right moment. And, and when, the, when I prayed that prayer, I just felt this weight lift from me, this heaviness that had been on me, I guess my whole life, or as far as I knew. And I remember the first thing the Holy Spirit whispered to me, and it was that God loves me. And if nobody else ever does, it doesn't matter because God loves me and that's all I'll ever need. And um, and he's reminded me of that time and again when I start to feel um, unloved or, you know, unwanted or not included, you know, the things that we go through in life when we feel like we're being rejected. He reminds me of that time and again, and that's been very... Um, 
it's it's been life-saving for me to hear him whisper that to me once again every time I seem to need it so that's so beautiful <laughs> you can see me when I'm like <laughs> crying that's so beautiful um it's just speaking to me at the right time too you know and that's just yeah. like just how beautiful and intricate and gentle and sweet and kind he is yeah. Oh, and I, you know, I can think that I have plans and that I'm like, oh, I'm going to talk to Lauren about her book. And then you open up about something like that. And I like, we can just call it quits now. because I just know that that's such a beautiful story. And, um, and that's gonna, I, I know, at least touch my sister. And which is uh, even more beautiful is that's who I, I sent your book to my sister um, the other day. And um I don't know. I, I feel like everybody should have this and that everybody should know just how much he loves us. Um, because like you, I, I think that if, if I can just do everything right, if I, if I could just get this right and, and be better and I'm never going to attain perfection, you know, he didn't make me to, I'm not perfect. I'm not going to be until I meet him. Right. Face to yeah. face. Right. So, right. I, you know, and I think I think that's a big part of even some believers lives, even after they're born again, they still struggle with thinking, how can God love me? And I think a lot of that comes from um, I well, it's, I'm sure it all comes from Satan, but I used to read the Bible. And even when I was first born again, I I read God with a. Um, a lens that was not correct. And so when I would read about the judgments that came upon Israel time and again for their falling away from God, I would see it as, oh, he's watching over, just ready to zap them because they messed up. And that's not at all the, the thing. And if you really ask the Holy Spirit as you're reading the word, if you're seeking the Holy Spirit to guide you and to speak to you through that, and if you stop and say, I don't understand why. And he begins to point out God's mercy was so generous. He would send prophets and warnings and almost to the point of begging Israel, please come back to me, please. I don't want this to happen to you. And this is what's going to happen if you don't. And, and when you start reading it, seeing that God's heart is one of love and forgiveness and mercy, then your eyes start to be open that he wasn't sapping them. He was warning them and telling them it's, it's kind of like as a parent when our children, um, they want to go and play out in the front yard and they keep going in the street and we keep saying, no, you can't go in the street. And we're warning them. You could be hit by a car if you go in the street. And, and then that God forbid your child actually does get hit by a car. It's like that. It's not, it's not that he was um, wanting to punish them. It's like a parent who's trying with all their might to almost not allow their kids ever to go in the front yard anymore because they won't listen <laughs> and they keep going out in the street. So, and it just changed everything when, the, when I started reading the Bible prayerfully, when I started letting the Holy Spirit guide me as I read and get rid of all that wrong thinking that I had from the time I was growing up, this wrong idea of who God is. 
And when that is gone and when the Holy Spirit begins to show you the love and the mercy and the kindness of God, it, it really changes what you see in the word as you're reading. It changes how you see life itself, you know, right. it, so. That's so beautiful. I love that so much. What, um, what brought you to, to feeling led to read this or to, to read this, to, to write right. this? Yeah, good question. Um, it actually, uh, I used to teach sometimes the midweek services at Grace, and I had taught just um, on a few of the relationships we had with God in a message. And it dawned on me that, you know, it's important that we understand all the ways God wants to relate with us, not just the typical one, I think, for most people is as a father, which is a very strong one and and it's because jesus so often referred to god as his father and also i think when we pray we tend to always say father god you know and so um it just started dawning on me that he was so much more than a father and that he wanted us to understand that and i think that's why also he gave us so many different references to to who he was, you know, as even as a gate and as um, the door and all these different things, because he wants us to see that he is there for us in every way. And however we need him, you know, whatever we need him to be, he's that for us. He's not going to um, he's not going to leave us without meeting whatever need it is we're having at that time. And so I, I, I know the book has only 12 relationships, but I believe there are so many more that God shares with us. And these were the primary ones I noticed throughout scripture. And, I, and so after I retired from grace, I thought, okay, um, now what? And, and that's when it dawned on me, well, let's put it down in writing, you know? And so that's when I began writing the book. I love it. Um, what do you think is the, like, uh, your favorite or the one that the, the relationship that he ex examples, um, what is your favorite? Uh, what's your favorite? <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I have a favorite, but right now I just can't get, I can't get away from the betrothed. And when you, um, explain it, explain the proposal, the bride price and, and all that stuff, like I can't help but to cry every time I take communion and like oh. I do all over again, you know? When you think of it in that sense, yeah. Um, I, that's probably my favorite, though I think the one I probably relate to God most with is as father, yeah. um, you know, and as his child. Um, the betrothed to me is just so beautiful. And I think it's the ultimate that he wants us to enter with him. I don't know a lot of people i think that actually feel that one as much when they're relating with god and i think that's because um it's just such a intimate thing that we can't even imagine that god would want to be one with us like a husband you know and, and a wife but um i actually had heard shannon etheridge teach on that and her teaching sparked me to start really looking into all the ways that um, Jesus was so 
sending that message through his time with the disciples, even through John the Baptist and all the different things he said. And the more I looked, the more I found. And it was so exciting to see all these ways that he was trying to reveal to mankind that I I want you as my bride. Yeah. Know, to be one with me and to be it's kind of like you know the the trinity they are they are one yet three and that's what he's saying i i want you to be one with me like i am with my father like i am with the spirit you know so that's good yeah it it like it's hard for me to see sometimes because i compare my earthly father to my um to my heavenly father and um so what was your earthly father like? Uh, my dad, he was pretty strict. And that's probably partially the, the reason I had a little bit of trouble initially with seeing God other than as, as a judge. Mm-hmm. And um, I asked my dad one time, why do you find the need to always criticize us? To, um, if I got an A on a paper, he'd criticize my penmanship. And he told me that it was because he wanted me to do better and people don't improve if you don't give them criticism. And so it helped me to understand he was doing it because he wanted to help me be a better person. But um, I also can see that that's not the way God works. He doesn't criticize us to help us get better. He encourages us and... um, you know, and and that's that human frailty, though my dad thought he was being a good father by how he treated us. Um, it didn't always work that way. So it sometimes made us give up. And so, um, so in some ways, yes, he was like my heavenly father because he wanted me to be the best me I could be. But no, his methods were not always the same as God's. Yeah. Um, and God disciplines his children because he loves us. And just like we're called to discipline our kids because we love them too. And we want exactly, them to not exactly. play in the street. <laughs> and get, and get <laughs> I love that you said that your children believe what you say. And I think I, I turn that and try to relate it to God. And like, why is it so hard for me to believe what he says? Um, I think it's because we know ourselves, you know, even at, and we know that he knows ourselves. He knows everything about us, even those things that no one else can know, the thought life that we have, what's really in our heart. And because we also know that about ourselves, I think um, it's hard for me to believe that God or anyone could love someone who has thoughts like I have or, you know. And part of that too is we, don't think that all of our thoughts are our own and they are not always our own. We still have an accuser who's always trying to convince us that we're useless and terrible and God could never love someone like me. Same. Me too. I struggle with that a lot every day. (laughs) Um, so how, um, what does your morning look like? Like what does your, your daily time with God look like today? Um, Well, every morning, um, the first thing I do is, well, besides go to the bathroom, (laughs) make a cup of coffee, and then I head into my office um, where I have my quiet time. Um, 
Grace's prayer book has been a life changer for me. So I always start with a prayer from there. Um, they have the adoration prayers in there, which are really good. I, I find it hard to find the wor right words sometimes to worship God. And so I always pray the adoration prayers first in the morning, and then I'll pray one other section of prayers from that prayer guide. And uh, usually it takes me about two weeks to go through the whole guide, and then I'll just start again. And after I've prayed the adoration prayers and one section of prayers in there, it tends to just spark some other things that I need to pray for, like today to pray for <laughs> this interview and what I would say to you. <clears throat> and so, and then when I finish the prayer time, which is short, it's not like a real long time, I get into the word. And because um, I have been doing a commentary on Facebook for uh, three years now on the daily reading, it I will spend, I would say, anywhere between uh, a minimum of an hour up to five in the Word. And that's the blessing of being retired, yeah. <laughs> you know, to have that much time. And so um, I just look so forward to the morning when I can come in my office where I am right now and spend that time. It's wonderful. And, and it's amazing to me. I started reading the Bible in a year. Uh, early on when I was born again in 1974. And so um, reading it every year like that, so I, I would guess I've read it at least 30 times, maybe closer to 40. Wow. And um, every year there are new things I see every day. There are new insights that I had never noticed before. Yeah, And so... Um, I just can't get enough of it. It's just a wonderful time to interact with the Holy Spirit for him to show me new things that and speak to my heart specifically. It's it is alive and powerful. <laughs> it is like it seems like no matter where I'm reading on that day, something in that text is going to speak directly to my life. And are you on um, like one of those Bible plans now or do you do you just like kind of go where you feel or or what is being told to you? So, no, I use a Bible plan and I've been using Grace's Bible plan, the one that they use. So I'd be on the same page with other people at the church because the group I I have on Facebook is a Grace group. Okay. Um, however, starting in January, which I've already begun, I'm only on about day six for next year. Um, I am doing a chronological. I have one of those too. I've, I've, I've been really bad at it this year, but I think it's, that it's not normally in chronological order. And I just think that's very cool. It is, but I, I think that's part of the beauty of it too. Um, there's parentheses like Genesis chapter one gives an overview of the creation story, but Genesis chapter two is like a parenthesis that says, okay, here's a few more things you need to know and goes back and, and um, revelation big time does that. And so that helps you to understand why there's a parenthesis is because there were some things he wanted you to see that if he told it all in sequence, you might miss it. So Genesis 1 points out that both man and woman were created in God's image. Genesis 1 points out that both male and female were given dominion over all the earth. It was not just Adam. It was, you know, and then in Genesis 2, it goes into more detail so that we can see that um, this is something I really love that 
you don't always notice it it tells us how god spoke and said let there be and it was but with man he made him he formed him with his hands from the dust of the earth and if you just read genesis 1 and don't get to 2 we wouldn't know that so we know that we're made in god's image but also that the one thing that the one man is the only one that god formed with his hands from the dust of the earth and that just is, makes it so much more intimate than just speaking it and there it is um, and then the woman was made from man so that we know that together we're a whole it wasn't you know something's missing from him that was taken from him in order to make him someone to share life with him um, and so there's different things that are pointed out between those parentheses that if he had put that all, if if God had chosen to guide Moses to put it all in sequential order, um, we might miss seeing those things. And so I think that's important and yeah. that's why it's like that. But when you do start reading it in, in um, chronological order, you can read a Psalm that David wrote at the time that he was going through something and to get that insight, oh, this what going on in David's heart. And it just helps you to understand more and get some more clarity. That's really beautiful. I love that. So what do you do on mornings when you don't necessarily feel like, um, feel like it? Um, I do it anyway. <laughs> I know that. I know that I cannot start my day without time with the Lord. It was not always that way, yeah. but um, go through a few days where you skipped your quiet time and you realize, oh, that was a big mistake. <laughs> you know? And so um, I just, it's just a habit now. It, initially it was a, a discipline where I had to make myself go and spend that time but now after i let's see i was born again in 1974 so november 22nd i will be what am i going to be 40 74 no 48 <laughs> 48 years old in the lord and i don't think you're even 48 years old at all <laughs> i just turned 70 on Friday. So yeah, thank you. But um, so now it's just, now it's just my greatest desire in the morning to come in and spend time with the Lord. And so um, it does, it, it changes over time. If you um, discipline yourself initially, and, you know, they call it spiritual disciplines, because it is kind of something you have to make yourself do at first, it becomes something that you love yeah. and um and it becomes a habit and so um a couple of years i actually read the bible out loud the entire thing that those twice i did that and i have to tell you i saw some things i didn't see before the second time i read it out loud i decided to read it with feeling <laughs> so you know i couldn't just read it i had to be expressive and it, it was amazing. It, I recommend everybody do that at least once in your lifetime. I love that. I um, the So I'm 
almost four in the Lord. <laughs> so on November 18th, 2018 is when, um, when I decided that I wanted to start following Jesus and had no idea really what that meant. And I was really, I don't know, it was like somebody raised my hand for me, you know, and then, um, then like this path was lit to, to get prayed with, with this specific woman. And, and like you, something changed and I don't really know what it was, but it was like foundational and it was like, like it was mine. And I, I, I treasure it. I treasure that moment, even though I had no idea it was about to happen, you know? And then as I walk with God, I just, I keep, I, I keep wanting more, you know? And, um, mm -hmm. like you were talking about, it becomes like, you need it and you look forward to it. Like, like I need food and water. Right. And we're not right. on bread. Right. <laughs> Um, an interesting thing I had learned from scripture is, um, so Jesus said that he is the bread of life and, and the Holy spirit is that living water, that fountain of water in us. And I, I noticed, um, the Israelites, they had the manna from heaven all the time. They were wandering through the desert. God fed them with manna and he would uh, bring water out of rocks or whenever they needed it, he provided for them. But as soon as they entered the promised land, entered Israel, the manna stopped and they began to eat the produce from the land. And I was thinking about, you know, once we're born again, um, the manna hasn't stopped for us, even though we've now received Jesus as the bread of life and we have that living water. He continues to feed us and he will do so until the day we enter our promised land, which is heaven, which is the paradise with God. And when we enter that promised land on that day, um, that's when we will be completely changed and we'll no longer need that manna. But we're still on this earth and we need the manna that comes from the word of God because Jesus is the living word of God. We need to receive it every day. We need to drink of the Holy Spirit every day because we're not in that promised land yet. And that when we get there, that's when we won't have to pick up a Bible and read it anymore because we're going to be knowing him as he knows us. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful image. I love that so much. Um, so I'm going to... I'm going to have to look into Shannon El Etheridge. Oh, um, yeah. She's amazing. Stuff. Amazing. She has an amazing story. And um, she, it was a Women of Grace conference, and she was a speaker. Um, it was a simulcast one that we had done years ago back when I was the women's pastor. And um, and that made me – she she wrote a book. I'm not remembering the name of it, but I read it and she talks quite a bit about the bride and the bridegroom relationship, which is just beautiful. I'd never heard it before. But then as I started investigating and searching the internet, cause I went just because she said it, I, I wanted to see it for myself. And sure enough, you know, the yeah. things that she was teaching were are right there. If you look and study, you'll find them. So, yeah. That was one thing I really liked about reading your your book. It was like um, the disciples knew they knew what they were getting themselves like they yeah. knew that they were there, you know, being proposed to or, you know, they knew the traditions because that's that was their time. And um, I just think that's really just shows another way of, of his like the way that he wants to relate to us. Like 
he, he meets us where we're at yes. in the, the season and the time that we're at too. Um, and he's very, he's very intimate, very intricate. What did you think? Were you there this weekend for Hugh Ross at Grace? I was there on Sunday. Yes. What did you think about all of that? I was only there on Sunday too. I, I thought it was amazing. I love how, um, how he brings and, and science into the picture and shows us the reality that we just skip over. I mean, Genesis, from Genesis 1-1 to Genesis 1-3 is billions of years. And, yeah. and, and it's right there. And so many times I would have read that and not seen that, oh, there's the billions of years that science keeps saying, you know, and, and, and it's sad that so many Christians turn a blind eye to that, that they don't, they, they want to believe by faith. So they reject looking at science at all. And, and that's a mistake. And, and I love that Hugh Ross can open up that door and we can reach people who yeah. um, might not have been reached when, when, especially those who are in the field of science or who look at that and think, well, that's impossible. And uh, oh my goodness, I have um, his book called, um, what's it called? Genesis, Navigating Genesis. And um, he goes into a lot of detail about the creation and explaining how it, it matches the science. And that that is an extraordinary book. And it, he's really a blessing to the body of Christ to have someone open that our eyes to seeing that. Dr. Hugh Ross is so smart. I always get kind of like, oh no, whenever he comes in, because I'm like, it's hard for me to follow. But um, yes, once he like brings it down to earth, then it, and I don't know, I was I was sitting in my living room this morning, and I was having my quiet time and my coffee. Um, and I was nursing my my one year old. And I was just thinking like, just how still everything is. It's so quiet. And, and just that just right moment that just right. Um, you know, all of the things that he was talking about, just right. Cosmos, just right. Um, sun and moon and stars and everything, um, that we're not being sucked into black holes and, and just that just right moment for it to just be still. And, and in my mind, I was kind of angry. I woke up a little angry because me and my husband were having a little busy last night. So that, that was still in there. And that, that was what hit me is like all of these just right moments for me to sit here and be angry <laughs> <laughs> over what, you know, over something very small that, that is probably like a, um, just whatever it is, you know, it's not of God, that's for sure. But, um, but he made all of this and I'm just pity partying it up in my living room. <laughs> <laughs> it's, um. It's funny that you mentioned that the stillness, because the, um, you know, the first time I ever heard God, I just thought it was me thinking that God loves me. And if no one else ever does, it doesn't matter. Not realizing that was the Holy Spirit speaking to me, you know, and my hearing him for the first time. But the first time that I, I remember really, um, like being taken aback by hearing the Holy Spirit, you know, how he whispers in our thoughts. It's that still small voice in our thoughts. And um, it's, it's Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I That verse, I was in the midst of uh, just a horrible situation and um, was feeling degraded and 
just awful and crying as I was being yelled at. And the Holy Spirit started singing, be still and know that I am God. And I just heard it in my thoughts and I knew it came from nowhere. It didn't, it wasn't like I was thinking on that verse. It just popped in my head. And we had sung that so many times at church and I knew that it was him. He was actually singing that to me in that moment and such a peace. It was an amazing peace that came over me in that moment when I heard him singing that. It took away all the hurt that I was feeling and going through and um, he just he just loves us so much. It's it's awesome. It is. It really is. And it's that's one thing I really like about doing this podcast is that I get to talk to people about how much he loves us and, and it grows my relationship. And I just keep thinking back to like, when I first started this, like if all I gain from this, if this is only for me to realize just how much he loves me, then it's all worth it. You know? And that's Every- what's amazing is because he'll do all of that just for you. <laughs> you <know? laughs> That's really cool. Well, I know that we've gone over on time and I want to be respectful. Um, is there any, um, but I do want to ask you, is there any other books that you would suggest or recommend? Um, wow. The Bible is first and foremost. <laughs> um, wow. That's a good one right off the top of my head. I, I'm reading End Time Simplified by David Slyker right now. Um, I love reading commentaries. Um, Bible commentaries are just, I know a lot of people barely find the time to read their Bible, but I just would encourage people to, I try to get a different Bible every year so I can get a new commentary and see what that commentary is going to teach me because it really does. um, Right now I'm attending the Sunday school class that Brandon is doing on um, the New Testament simplified overview, whatever you want to call it. And he is pointing out the history along with what we're reading in the Bible. And when you understand the history of the time, it makes things so much clearer. And so I think commentaries that do that, um, reading what Josephus or Eusebius wrote historically helps you to understand and not take things out of context. Because a lot of times, uh, I'll use Brandon's example that he gave this past Sunday. He was saying, you know, when you read read the scriptures where it talks about not eating meat offered to an idol, he says a lot of people just will skim over that and think, well, we don't have meat offered to idols sold in our grocery stores, and so that's not an <laughs> issue for us. And it's the heart behind. That lesson was very vivid to them at the time because it was so comment that the meat sold in their marketplace had been offered to an idol. Uh, But for us, we need to look at that passage and look at the heart behind it, not necessarily that specific example. And so when you do it that way, when you understand the history and the heart, um, it helps scripture to become more clear what the message really is behind that, you know, of uh, that the heart of the matter was that we are to love God and to know that he loves us and anything that we do in our life could harm someone else. 
you know, at that time, if you ate meat offered to an idol and a, a believer who thought that was sinful saw you do it, they might do the same thing. Well, we can look at circumstances in our life and realize how what I'm doing could cause a believer to stray if I'm not doing everything that I do out of love. And so yeah. it's the lessons behind the examples that are given that are what we are to learn. And, and understanding the culture helps us to see the lesson and not just the example. Yeah, that's good. That's so good. I really appreciate your time more than you know. And I well, thanks. <laughs> I look forward to talking to you more and reading the rest of <laughs> Okay. Well, thanks. I really appreciate every single person that tunes in. It means so much to me. If you wouldn't mind taking the time to give me a five-star review on however you're listening, Spotify, iTunes, and um, I would love to connect with you on Facebook or Instagram, and I'll see you guys next week.